Good morning, Redeemer Church. Glad to be here. My name is Donovan. If we have not met, I would love to meet you. Um, we are going to do part two of our summer series called Together. So let me pray, ask God for help, and we'll go. God, yes, I continue to lean into you. Show us who you are. Amen. All right. It's about eight parts this summer series and looking at what are we doing and why. We, we got a lot of stuff going on. We got a lot of activity, groups and Sunday gatherings and arcades and golf outings and mission trips and worship nights. And it's a lot of, it can be a lot of busy work. It can just become that. So this is an opportunity to kind of go, okay, why do we do these things? So last week we looked at the idea that we gather on Sundays, right, weekly and worship God. Like, why? And I really encourage you, if you haven't heard that, to go back and listen because I think it was kind of foundational for the whole series. And... Uh, Today, we're talking about serving one another, particularly serving the members of this church, members serving members. So that's less of like a, a space and more of a thing we do all over the place, right? A lot of different, it's more of a posture, right, than something we schedule. In all these th things we do, groups, Sundays, our kids, music, prayer team, what is our posture? To serve one another, to serve one another. It's an attitude. It's kind of like, how then shall we live? Because Peter has set the stage. Now, I read the whole book of Peter this week and go and read it, but he has set the stage and he kind of sums it up here at the beginning of verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Now, what does that mean? We are living in the end times. Okay? Here's what the end times are it's the time between Jesus' first coming and his second. The end of all things is at hand. Before Jesus came, his coming was at hand. And now his second coming is at hand. He has come, he has died, he has paid the price for sin, he has dealt the decisive blow to Satan and sin and death, and he's coming back to, redeem, to, to gather his people and bring us home, right, and take us to the holy mountain and make us glad. The end of all things is at hand. How then shall we live? That's the question. Being that that's the case, how then shall we live? He set the stage you know, I was listening to a, a Kami podcast this week. Some of you have heard that I do that, and you get a little nervous. Like, why would you listen to that stuff? To destroy every argument. It's the same reason I listen to libertarian podcasts, so don't get too excited. I want to know what's out there, how people are thinking, what is it that humans are striving for, and how are they seeking to achieve it? And they have their own. This, I was listening to this guy, and he set the stage. Here's the stage he set. Capitalism and patriarchy are the mechanisms of oppression, and the colonious white settler powers aren't just going to hand things over. Okay, how then shall we live? He says, we need people to get off the internet, hit the streets, and be ready to throw down. Amen. <laughs> well, if that's true, if what he's saying is reality, then yeah, that's what they should do. But that's not the right stage. Peter has set the stage for us. And it is this, Christ has come, Christ is coming. You have been purchased by the precious blood of the Lamb, right? He is our hope, and we wait for Him. How then shall we live? Well, here's what he says, therefore, verse 7, the end of all things is at hand, therefore, he says a handful of things, I'm going to try to synthesize them. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. I think what he means is this, is stay alert, because later on, he says be sober-minded like three times in this book. Later on in chapter 5, verse 8, he says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Why? 
For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We are at war, right? We're not at home here. We're headed home, and here is still, in one sense, under the domain of the prince of, pow- of the power of the air. And he's after your faith and your joy. So stay alert. Be awake. Have self-control. But above all, remember this last week, Jesus, God told the Jews when he gave them all their instructions for keeping the law, he said, above all things, do what? Gather and worship. And now Peter's going to give us instructions for how to live, and he says, above all again. Above all the things that he has said, here's what he wants you to know. Keep loving one another. That's how we throw down. Love one another. Above all things, love one another. Love one another. And more specifically, he gives some practical instruction here in a little bit. We're going to come back to that. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, what would you do today? I asked, thank God, yeah. I asked one of my kids, I won't, who shall remain nameless, but I asked my son. (laughs) He gave me permission to reveal this, so. Um, On the way to... (laughs) On the way here today, I asked him that. I said, what would you do if you had one day to live? You know you're dying tomorrow. What would you do today? How would you spend the day? And he says, that's a good question. I was like, yeah. And he thought for a minute, and he goes, I guess I'd, I'd want to see the world, like maybe go see the pyramids. I was like, okay. And he's like, what about you? And I said, well, stay tuned and prepare to be ashamed. <laughs> or, <laughs> so much shame. Now, it's not bad. It's not bad, but what would you do? I think many of us think, well, I'd, I'd be with those I love. I guess I'm going to the pyramids with you, right? <laughs> That's, I'd want to be with those I love. I, you, I want to be with my family, right? That's, but what would you do? This, this struck me today. You know, Jesus knew he had one day to live. What did he do? He was with his family. What did he do? He served them. He says, I'm leaving, and I'm going to leave you with an impression. I'm going to do the most important thing. I'm going to serve you. He washed the disciples' feet. Now I thought of that, like, all right, if I have one day to live, okay, my mind went pretty quickly to my family, but what do I? Oh, what if I washed their feet? He said, This is what I want you to know is most important. Why is that most important? Because that's what Peter says listen, love one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. This is how we're going to love one another. It isn't love one another and serve one another. It's, this is how you're going to do it. Okay, love one another. How? You're going to serve one another. This is going to be an essential mark of the church. Why? Because it's an essential mark of God. Remember, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, and Peter almost can't handle it. He's like, this is, this is, you shouldn't be doing this. And Jesus says, if I do not wash you, you have no part of me. And then Peter says, then wash all of me, right? 
But Peter doesn't even, he's just saying, wash all my body. And I'm thinking, Jesus is saying, I'm about to wash all of you. I'm going to the cross. The, the washing of the feet is a foreshadowing. It's a shadow of what Christ is really going to do. Serve us. But this is a recurring theme this past year. God serves us. That's who he is. He's a servant. He is our servant. God is my servant. <laughs> Seems blasphemous, which is why Peter's like, ah! Well, he's the one with power. He's the one with life. He's the one with discernment. He's the one with wisdom. I'm the one with need. I'm the one that's dirty. I'm the one that needs cleaned. This is the only way this relationship could, could exist. He is the servant. He is the servant. Now he says, Peter says, since that's the case, right? The end is at hand. Christ has come and served you. He's coming back to serve you. As you wait, how then shall you live? Reflect him. Represent him. Be like that. And don't wait until it's your last day on earth. Why wait? I mean, that question, right? What would you do if it was your last day? And you go, okay, why wait? Do that now. Serve one another. Serve one another. Wow. So it's an essential posture of the church, right, to serve. Now, next week we're going to talk about serving guests and mission and other things like that. Like, but right now, Peter's saying love one another above all things. Yeah, we want to be on mission, and that's important given that the end is at hand. But what are we inviting them to? It's kind of like, if you want to adopt, well, that's good. What are you bringing them to? Get your household in order. What's the point of getting them out of that abusive home into yours? Bring them into the household of God where people imitate God and serve one another. Wow. Paul says this, do good to all. That's good. But especially to the household of faith. Yeah, love everyone. I love everyone. I especially love my wife. Right? God loves the world. He especially loves his bride. There's a special, special treatment that she gets. And he says, you do likewise. Serve one another. So next week, like I said, we'll talk about guests and what it looks like for us to be mindful of guests. But serve members. Members serving members. So I want to do a little side teaching here on what is a member. It's important. What is a member? At Redeemer, we say a member is someone who has DTR'd with the pastors. What that means is they have defined the relationship. We've had a conversation, right? Because here's what the scriptures say to the elders and pastors. It says this, elders, to the elders among you, I exhort you, shepherd the flock. Okay, who's that? Who's my flock? And then to Christians that aren't elders, it says this, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now, that's a heavy statement. I and the other pastors and elders will give account for the flock that we shepherd for their souls. I have been called to that. But not if you're not my member. I don't need more accountability than, than is necessary. Right? Who am I accountable for? Visiting Redeemer Church does not give me that accountability. I will not accept it. You know what gives it to me? 
defining the relationship, when we have a conversation, they say, am I your pastor? Is this your church? And if you say no or I don't know, like, great, figure it out. But it's not my accountability. So I want to invite you into that. Let me tell you a story. There was a man who was visiting our church for years. And in my estimation, was avoiding this sense of submission and accountability. But I would, I would invite him, like, hey, come to the member class. I would invite him in, and he was always like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and he would just kind of ignore me. And one day, about three years later, he comes up to me and goes, I'd like to have lunch sometime. And I said, can I give you a preview of what lunch will look like? He said, sure. I said, you've been avoiding membership. I'm not your pastor. You've been avoiding accountability and taking advantage of our resources, and now you're asking for more. And he said, well, I've been hurt by the church. And I said, that's, that's legitimate. You're hurting the church. You're using me. This is personal. And to, and the, to the whole body. You know what? Serve me. Put together services. Train leaders. Build websites. Do all kinds of stuff. Well, where are you in this? Nothing. I said, here's the analogy. I'm a woman. You're noncommittal, but you want my gifts. This is not good. So I said, do you still want to go to lunch? <laughs> and he said, yes, because God does miracles. And he has become a member of the church and has been integrated and growing and serving for four or five years now. We're, we're made for this. So I want to call you to that. I want to call you to that. We think avoiding accountability is freedom, right? I don't want walls and fences and submission. And, but we were designed a certain way. And God, because he's good, he calls us into that. And that's where we thrive. Listen to G.K. Chesterton put it this way. He says, imagine some children playing on the flat, grassy top of some tall island in the middle of the sea. So long as there's a wall around the cliff's edge, they could fling themselves into every frantic game and make the place the noisiest of nurseries. But the walls were knocked down, leaving the naked peril of the precipice. When their friends returned to them, they were all huddled in terror in the center of the island, and their song had ceased. You don't want your song to cease. You're made to be mutually accountable, to be in submission, to be under authority, to be a contributor, to bear one another's burdens, right? So I'm calling you into that for your joy. So members serving members, but how? So I want to ask who? That was the first one, how and why. How? And here's the answer, in God's strength. He says that here a couple times. Well, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Why? Because we're going to need it. Why? Because we lack strength. We lack strength. God is calling us to persistent, faithful, joyful, sacrificial service without grumbling until the day we die. We need God's strength for that. I need God's strength for that. Why? I, I like love. I don't love the way God loves, and so sometimes I don't want to serve. I'm not a very loving person. My, my marriage is fairly happy, but I often think it's just because we're so compatible. 
She doesn't make, she doesn't bother me that much. It's, it's stunning to think about. She knows I can be harsh. And we went out to eat recently. This place, I, won't, I don't want to plug it because it wasn't that great, but they had these different, they had tacos, and we had these things called a jerk taco. It was like, a, you know, the jerk seasoning. We're talking about them, and I was like, man, which one did you guys like? I like the jerk taco. My wife goes, I'm married to jerk taco. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of racist. But. <laughs> oh, that's why I love her. Um, I was sitting with another couple recently, um, and they're visiting our church, you know, seeking where God would have them be members, and it's great. And um, they were telling me about their church history, and um, there had been, let's just put it this way, at one point he made a comment like, well, this is just the church we're at until someone sins against us. You know, and it was just, a, they were joking, but the reality is sometimes that's true, right? Oh. Oh. So why? We need God's strength. Like, why? Listen to this. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Why? Since love covers a multitude of sins. This church has a multitude of sinners and a multitude of sins. This should be on the website. You know? Excellent. Then we can go and love one another. This will be to serve one another to serve those who sin against us? Pastor, so-and-so sinned against me. Good, now serve them. Oh, think of that. It isn't just that Jesus served his created beings. It's that they sin against him. <laughs> we lack. Oh, do you know you lack? Do you see... I was struck this morning thinking about that, like Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and I just felt utterly convinced that he is God. That is God. That's what God would do. Wash our feet. The very thing I don't want to do. It proves, among other things, he is God. You know, you just, I don't, it's just a readily apparent. There's no argument necessary anymore. He, the creator, washes the feet of sinners. Give me a better God. He's either God or it's all lies and let's end it. Is this intense? That's what I get. Okay, self-controlled, sober-minded. We lack love. We lose perspective, right? That's why he exhorts us to stay sober-minded. He has set the stage. You are Christ, right? You are in Christ. You're God's beloved. You are a royal priesthood of people for God's own possession. He set that. The end is coming. Okay, now focus, but we just, we get off, right? <laughs> Set a one of my kids' basketball games this week, and I saw a man that I recognized. I didn't know who he was, and I said, uh, how you look familiar? And he said, oh, yeah, he mentioned meeting me at the Stern wedding. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Andy and Abby Stern are members, and he's a pastor here, and they've been married longer than I've known them. So I was not at their wedding. <laughs> and I was like, okay, and I processed for a minute. I started questioning reality. <laughs> I was like, am I a variant? <laughs> Sister. 
I literally, I turned, it, I turned, it, I was like, I turned to my wife, I go, how long has Stern's been married? Because I was, she was like, like 13 years. I was like, okay, we've only been here 11. And I turned back to him again. I said, I'm sorry, I'm just a little confused. Like, how do we know each other? And he goes, oh, at the wedding, you know, and I did music when you were doing the ceremony, and I was just like, this guy is not sober-minded. But I was, I was questioning for a minute, right? Like, so anyway. The point is, we can lose touch with reality like that guy. <laughs> so, we get tired. We get tired, right? What are we called to? Persistent, faithful, joyful, sacrificial service without grumbling for the rest of our lives. Even, let's, just take, let's just take one thing, Sunday gathering. Sunday gathering, every week we throw a party. It's a lot of work. It takes the entire church to pull this off. We, we say, all hands on deck is kind of the way we put it. Everybody in some way serving on a rotation to do this, right? And some of us get to serve in ways that we're really gifted. And some of us just, well, I do both. Like, I love doing this. I think it's my calling and gifting. I also just sweep floors, right? And so this means just do it. Just pitch in and do this for the rest of your lives. You're going to get tired. You're going to need God's strength. And again, Maybe you have a gifting and you get to use that. But again, there's this idea that there's just the gift of base humanity, of just being helpful. Right? Like picture your, your family's moving. And they're like, hey, all right, it's time to move all this stuff. And you're like, that's not my gifting. Base humanity, not your gift. I know. You get tired. It's going to be. So anyway, sign up for a Sunday team if you haven't yet. But really, pitch in. Pitch in. So I say, do I have to serve if I'm a, if I'm a member here? Like, uh, um, look, there's rare exceptions if you are, whatever, medical reasons or things like that. But basically, yeah, like it's the honorable thing to do. So let's do it. Um, and mostly, thanks to everyone who does do that, right? It's, isn't, it's not like we're um, hemorrhaging servants or anything, but I think we just always had to come back to that a little bit. But, it, you know, it's probably going to be a long time. Maybe not. Maybe our end will come quickly. You know, that, that happens. Every day, people leave this planet and go back to the arms of Jesus. But it might be a long journey. So we need God's strength. We also can grow proud. I've seen this happen in different ways. But in, here's one way I've seen it happen. Someone pays their dues for a while, and then they go, okay, I, I did that in my youth. I, I served. We planted a church. We worked hard. And now I just receive. That's not good. Till the day we die. There's no, I was uh, listening to this podcast and they were talking about um, the idea that airlines have no-fly zones. You know, areas you can't fly over, like take, for example, a nuclear site. You don't want planes flying over there. But one of them was Buckingham Palace because Queen Elizabeth is a very special person. I was literally like, well, so what about me? You can fly over my, my house, like, he's nothing. No-fly zone. That's absurd. Isn't it? Oh, okay. No, what's the point there? Some of you have gotten into a no-serve zone. You know, you're, you're special. You, know, you, you paid your dues. You're great. You're just riding your righteousness into heaven. Without God's strength, we will quit. Or worse, we won't quit. We will just grumble. We'll do it. 
and we'll just grumble. Listen to what he says. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. What does that mean? Well, show hospitality in this context, I think, means in the, in the church. Sometimes it means strangers, but say share resources, share your home with one another, open, share your time, let infringe on one another's time, and then he goes, do it without grumbling. Why? Because apparently some people are doing it like, well, I guess this is what we should do, but there's a grumble. They stayed too long. They ate too much. Do it without grumbling. So we need God's strength for this. We need God's strength. So how do we operate in God's strength? That's the question. Paul says in Colossians 1, describing his ministry, Him we proclaim, preaching Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so it's all his work, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So he's serving by teaching and preaching the gospel. And then he says, for this I toil. What? To present people mature in Christ. I'm, I'm toiling for that, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Do you know what that's like? Or are we just, is it just a Christian veneer with human energy? That's a mystery to grow in. I would love to discuss that more with you, but I want to call us to that. Let me just say this. We have to abide in Him. We have to seek Him. We have to look at Him. We have to talk with Him. We have to listen to Him. We have to be with Him. Yesterday, I was sermon prepping, and I, I felt tired, and I was like, I need a nap. So I went to lay down and go to sleep because I thought I needed a nap, but the Lord kept me awake. Yes. And you know why He kept me awake? He was revealing things to me because I am to speak as one who speaks oracles of God. I have to hear from Him. I have to listen. I have to shut up. I have to turn off other things and be with Him. And that empowers Right now, I can go and speak. You must rest in Him. Find His strength to serve one another. And it can look a lot of ways, but simply put, let's just bring this back to basic Christianity. Open your Bible. Look at Him in the Word. Sit with Him. Talk to Him and listen to Him. Read, talk, listen. There it is. Do that. Read, talk, listen. While I was laying there, so I was in my daughter's bed. Her room is generally cooler. And I was just in there, and I looked over on the wall. She has a collage on the wall of all these pictures she printed out of everyone she loves, except me. <laughs> and I said to her, what's up with that? And I thought she was going to say something like, well, they're just my friends. Like, but no, your mother's on the wall. She says, I don't have any pictures of you, which only made it worse. Why aren't you taking my picture? She thought that was the way out. She's digging that hole. Just digging that hole. Man, <laughs> here's the point. You can't display what you don't capture. Uh, but you get, that's it. You, you must see to imitate. You must abide to display. You must rest to have His strength. You must listen to speak for Him. Abide in Him. 
So that's the who, members serving members. That's the how in God's strength. And now why? Well, he says this. Let's go back to verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Why? In order that, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To glorify God. What does that mean, to glorify? To describe or represent as admirable. That's the Google definition. I like it. To describe... So right now I'm describing, but to represent means the way you live. How then shall we live? In a way that glorifies God, in a way that represents Him as admirable. God is admirable. Why? Because He serves us. Okay, represent that. How? Serve one another. There's your witness to the world. What's God like? Come watch us. Watch us serve one another faithfully, persistently, sacrificially, Without grumbling, that's what God's like? That's what God's like. Be like Him. His reputation is at stake. God serves us. He serves us. He's always serving us. He served us clearly at the cross when He sent Jesus. Right? Remember the words of Jesus, the Son of Man, referring to Himself, came not to be served, but to serve. I came to serve you. Okay. How? to lay down my life as a ransom for many, right? The washing of the feet was a shadow of the washing of the heart. Came to serve. But it's not just then. It's always. It's in this text. Serve one another in the strength that God supplies. What does that mean? He's serving you so you can serve. Oh, man, I don't don't have the strength to serve. That's fine. I do. So I'm going to serve you so you can serve. It never stops. It never stops serving us. So we sing the song, Grace Alone. I'll, I will stand in faith by grace and grace alone. And you can exchange that with God's strength, by His strength alone. That's how I'll stand in faith. I will run the race by God's strength alone. I will slay my sin by God's strength alone. I will reach the end by God's strength alone. It's all His strength. It's all one hope, one power. He is admirable, and we want to represent Him that way. And He's sober-minded, you know, You remember when Jesus tells people, he invites them to follow him, and then he goes, count the cost, right? He's like, oh, okay, we're trying to count the cost, but we don't really know the cost. But Jesus did. He knew the cost. He knew what he was signing up for, and he knew who he was signing up for. People with a multitude of sins, but he has the love to cover that multitude of sins. He's admirable. And Jesus won't tire He won't give up. And listen to this. He never grumbles about serving us. He never grumbles. He delights in it. It's service with a smile. You know, at Chick-fil-A, they say, it's my pleasure. That's a script. They're liars. (laughs) Some of them aren't. But why do they make them say that? Because they know that that's an essential good that people want to be delighted to be served in, not forced. 
God is not coerced. He has freedom. He chose you to serve you gladly. Deuteronomy 39, the Lord will take delight in prospering you. That's serving you. I'm going to prosper you. How? Delightfully, with a smile. No grumbling. That's how God describes himself uh, in another place in Deuteronomy. The Lord, or this is Exodus. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. So he does have anger, but he says it's slow to anger, but abounding in steadfast love. His steadfast love is on a hair trigger. Delights. I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. That's serving humanity. Why? For in these things I delight. There's no grumbling. No grumbling with God. I was watching a Piper sermon. And uh, all my funny stories about my kids. You gotta have, that's why I had kids, so I could have funny stuff to put in my sermons. Um, I was watching this Piper sermon, and one of my daughters walks up, and I was like, I paused it, and I'm like, do you know who that is? And she goes, Biden? <laughs> I was like, you got the vowels right, but I go, no, 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 he's a, he's a popular preacher. And she goes, oh, yeah, what church is he at, Veritas? It's just like, oh, <laughs> Veritas, it's terrible. <laughs> no. Okay, what's the point? Oh, well, a little, little Piper quote here. So strength, right? We are like little geysers that gurgle and sputter and pop erratically. That's our love. <laughs> little geysers that gurgle and sputter and pop erratically. But God is like a great Niagara Falls. You look at 160,000 tons of water crashing over the precipice every minute. I was expecting an hour. 186,000 tons of water cr cr crashing over the precipice every minute. And you would think, this can't keep going on. <laughs> it, it does. Minute after minute, hour after hour, days, months, and years. Thousands of years. 6,000. <laughs> Some people say. <laughs> um, that's, he continues, that's the way God is going about doing us good. He never grows weary of it. It never gets boring to him. The Niagara of his grace has no end. He is admirable. Wow, to say the least. Got a couple minutes here. I, I texted a guy yesterday, someone who I had just have noticed serving in our kids' ministry, which can be tough. You know, we love these kids, but it can be a little tough. That's for years. I've just seen that he serves in there. Years. And that's just since I've known him, you know. I imagine it's been decades in some ways just been serving God's church that way. And many of you are, so I just, just singled this guy out because he popped into my mind. And I said, hey, I want to tell you I'm thankful for your faithful service in our kids. Trusting the Lord will give you growth as you plant and water. Would you mind telling me why you do this and how you endure for so long? Here's what he said. And here's what I, when I read this, here's what I, I get is the fight for joy. He says, I don't think often about your question directly, but I suppose it's, varied and and sh it's a varied and shifting answer. Varied, and there are many reasons. Shifting in that the motivation drifts from time to time. 
Some of the reasons are things like simply duty and responsibility at times. Sometimes that's what you got, right? There are periods where it seems as if that's all that keeps you going. Other times, you're motivated by richer reasons, like experiencing a transcendent joy when you feel like God really spoke through you, and you're connected with kids, or better yet, when you get some sort of feedback, confirmation, sometimes years later, that they actually heard you. A piece of it is just a nudging to just keep going. It's plain that the endurance isn't your own, but it's granted. It's God's strength. A piece is knowing that this is what I was made for, a skill and a work I've been given. And a piece of it is, here we go, participating at God's side. Particularly obvious when working with kids, meaning God thinks generationally and the manner of reaching kids couldn't be more obvious that you're participating in that grand plan of His. And sometimes you find you're just teaching yourself that there was really only one in class that needed to hear the message. That's why I preach. So you hear that? That's the fight, right? God shows up, gives you strength. Sometimes you don't feel it, but you, you commit, and, and then He meets you there, and this is our life, right? Serve one another. Imitate God. So let me invite the band up and the communion service response team, and we're going to respond. We are going to sing praises to this great God who is, is admirable. So... Response time, we will, we will sing, as I said. If you believe that God has revealed something to you that's for the church, ask that you would reveal that or submit that. Is Glenn here? Glenn, submit that to Glenn in Cedar Rapids and submit that to uh, MC in Cedar Falls. It's also an opportunity to give. And we'll have a sermon on giving. I'm not going to tell you the date because you won't come. I'm going to surprise you. Um, but giving, I mean, it's important, right, to give to God and to support our mission. So more on that later, but just an opportunity to give also. And uh, you can do that by texting. There's a number up on the screen. You just literally just text that number, text any amount there, and it will give you instructions. But we're going to take communion, right? And this is a time when we remember, we're called back. This is part of God helping us be sober-minded, right, because we drift and our, our mind drifts and all this. And he goes, I want you to remember who I am and what I did, right? He's helping us reset the stage and then showing us who he is because that's where he served us, right? Jesus teaching the disciples <laughs> before he, I believe this is before he washed their feet. He took the bread and he had given thanks. Then he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given or broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So we are saved by the sacrifice of God, faith in that. And this is the time to remember and recall that. So let me pray and we will respond. God, thank you for being, being magnificent <laughs> and washing all of us. I pray for someone here maybe who hasn't been washed. They don't know. They're wondering, and I pray you would draw them near, wash all of them, serve them in that way. Amen.